Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me for another uh, voyage, uh, jaunt, um, just shenanigans in general, my good friends, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. What's happening, fellas? Not too much. No, it was a pretty uh, laid-back weekend here. Ooh, laid-back. Like in your yeah, lazy boy or something? Yeah, well, on the couch, you know. Fantastic. I went to a tea house today. Ooh. A tea house? Yes, I drank tea and had a really nice breakfast sandwich and then had little tea things like little cucumber sandwiches and scones Ooh. with clotted Ooh. cream, and it was very nice. Fantastic. I guess the real question is, David, did you spill the tea? Well, metaphorically and literally, yes, both teas were spilled at some point or another. Mm. Uh, I also somehow mixed up tea because we had two different types of tea and nice. it kept swapping places. It was like magic. Was, was any of it like... For... No, what? go ahead. You're look... Were you looking out for the timeline? I mean, maybe, or just some random magician, you know, showing up there. Mm. You never know. That's true. That's true. What Was any of your tea, you know, Earl Grey hot or anything like that <laughs> no they did indeed have two types of earl gray tea there but no ne neither was was earl gray it was it was oolong and then another one was uh i don't remember something with pomegranate in it Ooh, okay all right you should have ordered milk chocolate hot oh god yes <laughs> of course there we go right there right there yeah i <laughs> Man, Eric coming in with the jokes early. Love it. Love it. Well, not not really not really an add-on to the joke, but just a more of a literal thing that did happen. I was down in Cincinnati this weekend, you know, just bumming around going to a few places. I sent you guys a picture of the golden Spock decanter that was in a in yes. an antique store. Yeah. But but um I did there, there's a place called Jungle Gems. It's a huge supermarket with a lot of different places and they do a lot of like ethnic food just random stuff but in their coffee aisle i did get these two things and they are hot chocolate one is like charleston chew flavored and the other one was tootsie roll flavored so i'm gonna try those out so yes eric later on this week i will indeed you know uh say to the heavens because there's no computers here that would recognize voice commands well that's technically incorrect i guess alexa you know, I could just, you know, shout that to Alexis like, I cannot make that for you. Uh, well, then what you, sorry, you should turn off. You loser. What are you good for? Rah. Also had some wonderful seafood, too. Papadoos. Very good huh. seafood. We have those Papa down here. Papadoos? Yeah. Yeah, those are all over the place down here. Yeah. But no, it was, it was very good. Nice. Nice. Speaking can of... You get, can you get good fresh seafood in Ohio normally? Well, I mean, like Lake Erie's, like walleye and perch. If you want walleye and perch, but uh, I don't, I don't even remember what I had. I think I, I think I had like snapper or whatever. So the the answer is no. We are not centrally located next to an ocean. Uh, things do come in, of course, but <laughs> not, well, well, not quite the freshest of the fresh. At, at at one of the casinos in Kansas City, there's an oyster bar inside mm -hmm. one of the Kansas City casinos. Yeah. Like, why are you getting fresh oysters in Kansas City? Like, I think I'll pass. That's kind of awkward, just just a little <laughs> bit. I mean, you well, could. Was, I mean, 
David could import his seafood, you know, from like, I don't know, the Great Lakes or something, but that's it's possible. But I, I was going to say, so back home, there was a guy who would drive to Maine and buy a bunch of lobster and crab and stuff. And then he would drive it back and he would sell it to people. He had a little business and you could go down there literally to his house and have a little lobster party with him. And it was pretty good. It was always good. So that was as fresh as you could get it. Just some guy driving from coast back to Ohio. Awesome. <laughs> When's the last time you went to a fish fry though? Let me let me ask you that. Like those things are like nuts down here in the south. Like at the VFW, the fish fry? I mean, they happen more than like VFWs, but yes. I know, but that's where I always think of them, right? Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a while. Family used to do little fish fries from time to time, but it's it's been some time since like a a, a big proper fish fry. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I mean, like Eric was saying, you know, there there were some like in our our town that would have them quite frequently, but I think like the last proper one outside of a Veterans of Foreign Wars um, hall um, was at someone's house when I was a kid, and it was like right around the time that the PlayStation 2 was going to be coming out. And I have no idea how they did it, but they had this like, um, okay, we're going to the Wayback Machine for a second. Do y'all remember when they would have like um, consoles like on display for like demoing like the PlayStation, the 64, things like that? Uh, uh, at Walmart or the Myers. Exactly. Yeah. Or Kmart. Ooh, uh, deep cut, deep cut. Well, this guy somehow had like a store display version of Ape Escape, which was like a wildly popular PlayStation game back in the day. And I remember like while our parents were eating like all you can eat fish, basically, and we had some too, like it, there was like a line like down his like farm road, basically to play this dumb game. And anyway, like I will always associate a fish fry with Ape Escape for some reason. It's the weirdest connection, but you're welcome. I, I'm, I'm here to help. I do what I can, y'all. I do, I do, I do what I can. Oh boy, that's what we call a filler story, right there. We, you see, we, we do a lot of filler then. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. How about you, Eric? I know you said that you you were pretty lazy around the house, easy weekend type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Did did really nothing all weekend just okay. sat around the house. Um, yeah. I watched uh, King Richard earlier today, right, with Will Smith uh, okay. about Venus and Serena Williams. Uh, so we were watching Euphoria. We started watching that because it's there. Why not? That show was not realistic, by the way. Anybody looking for a realistic portrait of high school, don't look to Euphoria. Yeah, we all know but, now that Eric went to a nerd school. I mean, Jason and I went to the same high school. You went like all the preppy kids, man. Like there were so many preps at Grand Blank. Shots fired. Shots fired, y'all. Sorry about that. No, but but I just brought that up because you were talking about J.J. Abrams before we started, and whoever directed that definitely took some influence with the lens flare. Mm, lens flares. <laughs> I don't understand the aesthetic of lens flare. You don't feel like you're just in there with them you're just you're just there it's like i feel like i'm there no Look, no i don't so my first um elective merit badge back in the day was cinematography 
and I took it at a merit badge college. And I remember this was, this had to have been 1998. Wow. When this happened. And I distinctly remember my merit badge counselor telling me not to point your camera at the light source because it's going to flare up and it's going to give you a bad shot. And what do we have today, folks? Tons of lens flares. You're welcome. Well, well listen, listen. Have you ever heard the meme or seen the meme? You don't tend to hear memes. It's like it's like English English teachers when a student breaks the rules and it's like an angry face. But then English teachers when an 18th century author breaks the rules. Ah, they like they love them. Like big happy face. Oh yeah. It's like so you oh, gotta yeah. learn the rules first, then you can break them once you become like an expert or whatever. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I tell my students actually. Like you learn all these like micro skills. Like you le- you have to learn the basics before you can learn the shortcuts. Before you can like find your own way of doing it. Basically, there's a reason why we learn the right way before we basically ignore it later on. I'm taking from that conversation as Eric is basically saying that J.J. Abrams is the best director he's ever seen. I second that. Yep, uh, that's what yeah, I heard. I heard. Let's exactly move on, Chase. All those favor say I. Already ready to talk about the episode. Well, listen, now. listen. I will tell you. I will tell you. The pilot episode of Lost, which J.J. Abrams directed, he was really not involved in the show. Like after that, like Damien Lindelof and Carlton Cuse were, but like J.J. Abrams was really not involved in Lost after the pilot episode. He directed it, and it is one of the best pilot episodes in television history. It really is. Like if you haven't seen Lost, that's a ringing endorsement for the first. I love the whole series. You know, yeah, it gets a little weird at the end, but I love the whole thing. Ringing Except for the, for the pilot episode, though. I love the series finale. I think it's a perfect oh. bookend. With the, that. The, the opening shot, close up on Jack's eye, opening. The final shot of the series, close up on Jack's eye, closing. Perfect bookends. And with that, you know what I think we should do? I think we should talk Trek. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, we are going into spoilerific territory. So this is your red alert as we go into Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 4. That's 1, 2, 3, 4. Watcher. Make it so, make it so. All right, gang. Well, we have another episode this go-around with uh, good old Leah Thompson um, directing this. So last time, you know, we were talking... Um, about how the time travel and mama, so to speak, Marty McFly's mom, what, that was her first um, sojourn, I'm pretty sure, when it comes to Star Trek directing. So um, I know the cast have been speaking very, very highly of her and being able to work with like a, a, like a TV and film legend, so to speak. So um, before we like really talk about the plot, like um, I, David, I know you weren't here last time. You were kind of stuck in a in a shuttle, like freezing your butt off, you know, eating taters and stuff. But um, any any like thoughts or opinions about um, Leah Thompson in this? I guess this two part story, this one single story, essentially. Uh, so just from a directing standpoint, yeah, or like, writing, yeah, essentially from a directing standpoint. Like, what okay. y'all, what do you think? Well. I mean, not to be too mean about it, but I, I think like um, just from what we've seen recently, I think one of 
Discovery's biggest pain points is just that everybody's so darn awkward. Like it almost feels like they're not really getting together as a cast. Sure. And the one thing I will say about this series, though, the Picard series, is that I think I don't know if it's better acting or not. Uh, I, I guess you could peg it on better directing of actors or something like that. Maybe just better acting. I, I just don't know how I would necessarily do that right at this very second. But with kind of the um, the exception of like kind of turning Rafi extra mad recently. Uh, I, I think that the overall product just feels a lot better. Like it just sure. feels a lot better now that the content is a different story, but like, and I'm not saying it's bad or anything like that. I'm just, it's sure. a different story, but I, I think the, the, I don't really mind the, the aesthetic of things, shooting of things like the, the look of the show seems good to me. Like I, I, I how many times did I complain about like special effects and discovery just being like kind of janky at times or textures being weird or whatever pyro guy going nuts. Um, so I think, I think in this, it just, it feels, it just feels like uh, more budget. It just feels like more of a budget. So I, I'd probably have to watch more to really make an accurate comment on like directing because I just sure. don't know. I don't know if it's acting or if it's directing at this point. And sure. for me at this point, I would say acting. Well, I think from a directorial standpoint, these two episodes were pretty easy to direct. There wasn't really like a lot going on. Right. And that'll lead into some of my criticism of this episode um, that we'll get to later on. Other than like the car chase there really wasn't a lot that was that I think would would have been difficult to direct here. There was a lot of walking and talking, a lot of standing and talking, right? A lot of things that I think were easy to to direct, in my opinion. Sure. But the, the only thing I would say to that, though, is like, think about a Discovery filler episode versus this somewhat filler episode. Well, I also think this episode, I think this show in particular, has two well-established characters to to draw on, right? In terms of Picard and Seven of Nine. Sure. Whereas Discovery is trying to create its own characters as it's going. And so I think from an acting perspective, when you have those two well-established characters, maybe that's writing as well. It becomes easier. Sure. Sure. I... I know that I rated last week's episode um, a lot higher than Eric did, or not a lot higher, but just uh, just higher than Eric. And uh, for the most part, like, like I'm I'm somewhere. I think I'm like somewhere between what y'all are saying. Um, like, I guess it, maybe it is like an unfair question to ask at this point. Like, what the deal is? Like, is it acting? Is it directing? But um, that being said, like. I felt like I could see like a little bit of a difference um, in terms of like the product that we were getting uh, from the characters, like the, the character portrayals that we were seeing. Uh, one, one of the um, um, interviews of sorts, one of the conversations that was, was taking place was just how, again, we were talking about this um, at some point in Discovery, I want to say, about like um, an actor's director right like where the director themselves has been an actor so they understand like what it's like to be on both sides of the camera and how to get the best or quote-unquote best you know out of the people that are you know portraying a role or whatever 
So I'll have more to say about like some of the characters a little bit later on, but um, I just wanted, like I said, I just wanted to get y'all's kind of take on it, um, you know, early on, since this is probably the end of, of Leah Thompson for, for this season, since most directors do what, two, two episodes and that's it. Yeah. I think they like to get the directors to do like pods, right? Yeah. 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 Like you're directing these couple episodes right in a row. So there's some continuity and then the next person will direct a couple in a row. Yeah. yeah just as a slight book into that though, Chase, I would say that, um, you know, just from the standpoint of actors, directors, I really think it does matter what the show subject matter is because I think we've rocked certain episodes that Jonathan Frakes had directed. We have. Oh, I've, I've been critical of, you of know, some of the Frakes directed episodes, especially in Picard. I've been very critical of them. So that, I don't know, I, I get where you're coming from. And I, I think the conventional wisdom would say, if you've done a thing, you could potentially be better at doing something adjacent to it because you understand the whole shot of it. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think as, as yeah. we've all sort of said at this point now, we just need to see more. Yeah, sure. All right, well, well, let's, let's get into it. So, um, just like every episode, like we have like the recap and, um, after a little while, we, we finally, um, we get into it and, um, and of course with, with this particular episode, we're, we're continuing right, uh, right along with last time. So last time the, you know, um, Rios was, was being taken away by ice agents and we heard Picard trying to come over the combat, trying to get his attention to kind of like hear like what the heck's going on this time though we're getting the reverse um perspective right where we're back on la serena where he's trying to like do all these like hailing attempts you know like on the com badge or whatever and it's not going through very well at all and um and from there it's just a matter of like oh shoot well you know they they don't have like the repeaters the relays like we do in the future which well, duh, of course they don't. It's freaking 21st century. Of course they don't have that technology yet. Apart from like satellites though. Like I would think like you could do something like with satellites to like ping that. I mean, that's just my thought. Like, you know, like the aliens in Independence Day or Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day. They there we could go. tap into our own satellites. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, yeah, so the last arena's not working, right? Because the board queen zapped all of its power, right? So they can cloak the ship, but the you know environmental doesn't work, right? Which okay, that like that's <laughs> why would the cloak work, but the environmental controls not work? So it's too cold. So they have to take refuge inside Chateau Picard, which is abandoned. It's been abandoned for almost a hundred years because. No, I actually like this story, this, like, explanation I do too. here. Uh, you know, the Nazis, when the Nazis invaded and took over France, right, They the Picard family fled, and the Nazis used it as a base of operations, and the Picard family fled to England, which is why we've got a little bit of an English accent here. Which, this has been something that people have been kind of a buzz with in terms of, oh, so this explains why we have an, uh, an English speaking or, you know, an English accented Frenchman, basically, um, because of like, you know, fleeing to, to England or whatever. And like the tunnels, like being like the place where like they, you know, they were safe and everything like that before they eventually 
came back and took up residence once again at Chateau Picard there in Labar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, but the, the reason why we went there I thought was kind of goofy. We can cloak a ship, but we can't somehow make it a few degrees warmer in here so Girati doesn't die of shock. And instead, we're going to Chateau Picard so that we can start a fire. I mean, yeah. it, 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 I, I don't want to nitpick. I don't want to nitpick. It's fine because I also did like when they showed up here and I love history stuff. And even if it's make-believe history, it's still fun to uh, to relate to it. But it's yeah. like, how much power does a cloak run? Hmm. Probably a lot. <laughs> Probably a lot, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was the thing that I was concerned about too. You know, like whenever we first crash landed in the field there um, at Chateau Picard, like, wow okay we're really like busting over like a ton of trees and like acreage and stuff and like no one's going to see that no one heard no, it right no one they heard that for miles like, are you screaming down through the sky and just clunk 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 right into the trees and the ground well nobody really noticed a klingon ship that left a giant imprint and you know like one of the largest parks you know just uh it's fine you know there's just a giant imprint in the grass it's cool Totally. Totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah, let's no, but, just... But like, anyway, anyway, I actually enjoy these small little character moments because this is a much more character-driven show. Mm-hmm. And so we get Picard talking about, you know, his time here with his mother and his mother would play Edith Piaf. Or I, I don't know. I, I know I'm screwing up that name. I know who she is, the famous French singer, right? Yes. Um, La Vie en Rose, right? And her mom would her his mom would play that for him, and we get some more flashbacks of his mother here, which that's got to have some kind of payoff, right? Coming up, you would think, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I just like these little character moments where he's talking about, you know, his time at the at the chateau, and and Gerardi's like, I can just imagine you saying milk chocolate hot. <laughs> it's like. And you're and the skinny like, little nerd with all the books. Yep. Yeah, and, and then she's like, you know, calculus uh, is very soothing to me. Is it, Eric? <laughs> it can't be. I just need to take a derivative. Like, I could do derivatives all day. I'm still the waiting real- for the, the how to do calculus for dummies videos that you made. It's, it's fine. No, but I, I enjoyed this little scene of the two of yeah. them just sitting here and and like subconsciously her mind is doing the 15 like kind of like data did the threes in the in the episode where they crash into the 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 kelsey grammar effect yeah cause and effect yep and so her mind is doing the subconscious 15 she moved 15 beads on the abacus she picked up the 15th volume of the of the encyclopedia and then she picked out a 1915 bottle of wine Mm mm-hmm and they so, deduce that that means it's the 15th tax day, right? There we go. In April Los Angeles. 15th. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a dumb question, and I'm, I'm also asking this for the sake of any listener that might be wondering it as well. But how does an abacus, abacus? Yeah, work in terms of like sliding it and like stuff. It's, it's like addition and subtraction. Okay. Right, you move beads and you move back and forth. So they just like symbolize like one. Is that what it is? Yeah, there's different place values too, right? Okay. Okay. 
I think I've seen like, don't they have like some of those like in like um, the the play area of like children's, like yeah, pediatrician yeah, office or something? Okay, that's weird. Freaking advocates at a pediatrician's office. It's fine. It's fine. Kids are smarter than me, apparently. It's fine. No big deal. Um. So yeah, like we 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 realize that there may or may not be something on the fifteenth. At this point, we're just assuming that it's the fifteenth, but we don't know for sure, which is three days from now. Which I think was essentially the the same thing we've been hearing the whole time. This whole time, like we have three days to save the world basically um three three days to save the future so uh from there do you want to just keep going down like the picard timeline like the picard storyline or do you want to what do you want to do up to you go for it okay so so from there um we're we're heading back and we we have to get um, other systems powered up, like such as like communi- like the communication stuff. We have to get, you know, make sure essentially that the transporter um, is also going to, you know, stay up and running as well. Since, by the way, we're in France, other side of the pond, and we're beaming people to freaking LA. I'm just waiting for the transporter to break down and they have to like book something like on Air France, you know, somehow. You get a little I mean, Indiana Jones like uh, travel by map. Yeah, travel by map. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for a travel by map. See, it's not going to happen, but I'm, I'm I'm waiting for it. It's. I mean, I don't have any problem with transporters working over that long distance because we transport across pl- the entire planet a bunch of times. I know from we do, from dude. space down to the planet, like. I know we do, but like the thing is, like in this episode in particular, they're just talking about like stuff just like breaking so i'm just waiting for the transporter to just to you know crap out on us basically sure mm-hmm. yep picard is going to meet who he thinks is the watcher mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so we end up in the place that we were in in episode one uh, an alleyway forward avenue oh by the way 10 forward is right there and we walk in and it's still the bar. It's Guinan's bar. Thinking we're going to run into Whoopi Goldberg. We don't run into Whoopi Goldberg. At all. It's someone completely different. A much younger, much different Whoopi Goldberg. And uh, he he sees this uh, uh, Saurian Brandy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's about to pour himself a glass. And Guinan, younger Guinan, maybe comes out and starts to accost him like hey man bar's closed if you're here to raid me you're a little early type of thing uh bar's about to close for freaking ever and they end up finally talking and um saying some things and starting to have like a little chit chat and at some point he's like you're an elorian type of thing pulls a shotgun on him yeah yeah yeah. like who the heck are you dude where are you from not france france no, uh, no, no, not just France. You know, like planetarily speaking, where are you yeah. from? That, that yeah, was well, it's good. like in Star Trek Four, right? That will let's do the callback. Uh, Kirk said, "He's like, where are you from?" The the, the uh, marine biologist, I forget her character's name, um, but she says to Kirk, "Where are you from?" He's like, "I'm from Iowa." 
<laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, technically you are, but that's like mm-hmm. not the whole story. And the same thing, for I'm from France. Mm-hmm. So there's, I think like this part of the episode is there were, there were a couple moments that I was like, Oh, I don't know if I like that. Um, and I hate to say that, it, that one of those moments was with Sir Patrick himself. Uh, whenever he like beams down into the alleyway outside of 10 forward, he does like this, uh, mannerism, like where he places his hands on his head and he's like, kind of like taken aback, kind of surprised. And that just like felt so, I don't know, high school drama class to me. Like it just, it, it didn't seem like it was genuine. Like it didn't seem Shakespeare an actor. No, no. <laughs> yeah. It I just, can it see that. felt off. It felt off for the caliber of actor that Sir Patrick is. And, and like this kind of happened a few other times, like just in like some minor interactions that he was having with Guinan in the bar um, at times. So um, I'll, I'll leave that alone for, I'll, I'll leave it alone. But um, I think the dog, I think, I think the dog was his dog. I think Luna was actually his dog, if I'm not mistaken. Number one? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think number one is brown. This dog was gray. No, I think it was like his dog, like Pat Patrick oh, Stewart's Patrick dog. Stewart's dog. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So oh, he does uh, a lot of he does a lot of um, advocacy work for pit bulls and um, does a lot of rescues in general. So um, I know he's he has a ton of pit bulls, and I I'm ninety nine percent sure that's one of his. Which would make sense, you know, for for the dog doing so well on set and, you know, all the cues that needed to be done. So anyway, I'm sorry, Eric, I interrupted you. I think this is where we should just take a moment and talk about, I think, what the entire Internet and Star Trek community has been talking about since this episode came out. Right. We, we show up to 10 forward. It's not Whoopi Goldberg. It's a different actress. That's fine. Like, because it's a much younger character and, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, you know, they could, they could have done de-aging like they did, you know, like Star Wars has done with Mark Hamill. Right. But I don't think that would have worked for as long as Guinan was in this episode. Uh-huh. But I mean, even Chase, you were like, Guinan question mark. Like, is this Guinan? Because Guinan doesn't recognize Picard here, right? And this has got a lot of people like, is this some kind of continuity error with the writers? Did the writers make a mistake here? And this, I think the whole internet has been like in a feud trying to figure this out. Like, is this an error? Is this not? And I think it just makes my head hurt. Because obviously we have this episode, Time Zero, right? Which I know is one of Chase's favorite episodes, right? Where we go back in time to 1800 San Francisco. We meet Mark Twain. Guinan is there, right? And that's the first time Picard and Guinan meet, right? And then she kind of helps them, right? And then when at the end of Time Zero, they meet and they're like, Picard finally understands, like, why they have such a good relationship because of this time zero episode and if that happens in the 1800s 
the whole idea here is that we have gone back in time to before the divergence in the timeline, right? That was the whole point. We've gone back before the change happened. So if we've gone back, that incident in the 1800s from time zero should have still happened. So Guinan should recognize Picard, but she doesn't. So why, why did that not happen? Is it because we have traveled back in time from a future that is different from the future that we were in before? And so that's why time zero never happened. And it's just confusing. Like, and it makes my head hurt. And David, like, this is why we don't like time travel anymore because things like this make my head hurt and it makes the internet fight. Well, I, I think the point is, is this is, this is an alternate timeline or alternate universe. This isn't, this isn't saving our timeline. This is effectively saving another alternate. But is so, it? So, Cause so, that's not what I understand. Well, so the the thing is, is that every, if everything, yeah, and I know that that's kind of that's kind of the tough part. But I, I had read a little bit uh, internet wise on there, and I, I'm not going to try and quote it because it was like several days ago, and I don't remember. Yeah. But there was somebody uh, connected with the show. I don't remember if it was a writer or, or whatever, so it doesn't really matter. But I think Terry that they Matlis. were trying. Huh? Terry Matlis. I, uh... He was the one that was was talking about it. Yeah, in he's, particular. The show, he's the showrunner. Yep. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that's specifically who it was or not. But at any rate, I think that the idea was is they were kind of creating an alternate here because so th this timeline is where, you know, we, we obviously we have the whole evil Picard empire where he wouldn't have made that or he didn't in quotations make that trip back. So, yeah, I, that, that that's sort of the whole thing. The reason why I hate the time stuff, because you just make your own rules and there is no continuity and that's the problem mm -hmm. <clears throat> because if all things being relative if you went back before the break that means that time would have stayed the same and picard would have made the trip thus meeting guinan in the 1800s but that's was was it really the 1800s yes in that episode yeah because mm -hmm. yep. mark 19th Wayne, century okay okay gotcha gotcha sorry just wanted to make sure um but uh and, and i think i think that you can I mean, what's the what's the BS? All oh, Q, you know, you just that it's a it's a Q thing, it, it, and effectively, like this is the, not so much that they are even before the break point in time, but they are in a break point in time, which means that it like in Doctor Who, it's a fixed point. You know how they say you what, what's yeah. what's the whole thing? Like you can't travel back to a fixed point in time once you've already right. been there and all that sort of stuff. So maybe that's kind of some of the logic they're making where forward or back it doesn't matter you're in current you're, you're in like a current fixed point that you have to see to its completion without any of the advantage of the past or the future type of deal as well see this is the very this is the jj abrams thing that i wanted to talk about yeah I, and, and by the way i'm not trying to justify or say that i like it i think it's dumb <laughs> but whatever that's time <laughs> So I might get some flack on this, but and I'm not. I'm full disclaimer. I am not trying to be disrespectful. Okay, so let me just put that out there right now. Um, <clears throat> Star Trek 2009. It was established that everything up to the point on both sides of the timeline, right? So both in the Prime and the Kelvin timeline, that everything up to 
the Hobostar explosion, right, in the 24th century was intact, right? Like nothing, everything was un, unchanged. We go back in the 23rd century where the, where, where we have like the, the mining ship just show up again or, or show up, right? And like all the problems take place. That's where we have like the split where everything that happened prior to that was still intact, meaning Star Trek Enterprise, like Archer and all that stuff that happened, right? 22nd century, still intact. Everything that happened in the 21st century, still intact, okay? So this is where like I sound kind of funny, but I'm not trying to be too funny about it. We get to Star Trek Into Darkness, okay? With with everything that we see in Into Darkness, and there is a point to this, by the way, we, we end up getting Benedict Cumberbatch as Khan, okay? But yet, Ricardo Montalban was the original Khan, who was alive and well in the late 20th century. So, by all accounts, we go from a Ricard, we, we go from like a Ricardo Montalban, who should be Khan, to a British guy as Khan. There should be some continuity. Nothing should have changed that particular character from 20th century to 23rd century, regardless of the timeline, regardless of whether it's Prime, it's Kelvin, it's whatever. So, y'all can any y'all listening can disagree. You gents can disagree with that if you want to. But that's just like something I want to point out for a second. With this, it was stated straight up: the divergence happens at this point okay two three four however many days from now right like whenever whenever we were hearing about it that this is where things start to go sideways so if we follow the jj abrams rules of of timelines i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that it should i mean since kurtzman is part of the 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 abrams school of of story make uh, you know of story writing and whatever and and, and filmmaking and stuff like that, that 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 very idea should be intact that if we say regardless of what we we're going to say here in a second but if we say that this should happen at this point that this is the event this is the nexus event if you will for all the loki fans out there that needs to be you know reset or whatever Guinan in the the 19th century along with Picard should have happened. Like all that should be in place. This backwards, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey nonsense that we're talking about that because the Federation timeline never happened, that time's arrow never happened. I'm sorry, I have issues with that. And, and yes, part of it is probably because time's arrow is like one of my comfort food episodes of next gen. And I go back to the episode all the live long day, but it's problematic. It's highly problematic especially from a J.J. Abrams, you know, story point. Yeah, but we are people who who overanalyze this. And we get together and we have two-hour-long discussions about this every week, and we poke and prod every detail. I think Terry Metalis said the Fed, they came from a future where the Federation didn't happen, so when they go back in time, time zero didn't happen, and that's it. And in his mind, there's no discussion. Like, that's just it. Right, but now here we are, like overanalyzing it. But, but that's the thing. But that's the thing. Like, if I, 
yeah okay yes i agree eric but like that's the thing like if we if we go back to the point right like this is confederation and i'm holding my fingers up like a fork right this is confederation my index finger and this is federation my other finger right they still come down at the same origin point they just diverge in the woods so to speak yeah but then are we in the same universe though because it, the, uh, what's the theory of multiple universes is that anything that could happen will happen in another universe where you could name someone who was in a eugenics program con who happened to be british instead of whatever they were trying to pass off ricardo monobon as i'm just saying that like it doesn't make a lot of sense but you could logic your way into anything and then even with with this um this current time period where we have what i will call and and again like i know people can disagree with this but what i would call an over exaggeration of certain um uh just social constructs of this sure. timeline you could almost reason that this is a timeline where there was a far more aggressive human race that was actively looking towards the destruction of their planet that had an overzealous uh, federal agency called ICE, uh, of which we have now, that has, you know, just little differences, little differences. And sure. then it could be that the divergence is only happening in this universe that Q is playing with. And even then, we had discussed before in the very first episode when we see Q not being all up to Q standard, like maybe there's something wrong with him. Which, maybe he can only control one little universe or, or lack lack of control one universe or something like that. I don't think that that's exactly the big brain idea of this because like what you just said had been sort of stated by showrunner is is more of a, hey, just like, just take it, you know? Just but ignore can, just ignore what happened, you know, almost 30 years ago. No, but also, but also, I, this is where I think this episode is is inconsistent in the time stuff because we get probably the greatest callback in the history of callbacks like ever in 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 film television whatever this is this is amazing like right after we come back from the the teaser or the, the act one we get seven and rafi on the bus and there's the mohawk punk with his boombox playing the song i still hate you when the song was I Hate You from back in Star Trek Four, and it's the same actor. It's the same actor. Thatcher, and, yeah. Yeah. And 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 when Seven's like, Can you turn that down? He's like he like grabs his neck like to to protect himself. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll turn it down. So we're we're talking about like that that Star Trek four incident happened, right? Like that happened. Like but that had to happen if the Federation happened. And now we're saying, well, the Federation didn't happen, which is why Picard going back and Time Zero didn't happen, but the Federation did happen and, and Star Trek Four happened. So we've got this inconsistency in our time stuff and well, it just makes my head hurt. Well, that's just it. You know, 1986 is safe and 2024 is not. So there we go. Well, look, maybe Confederate Kurt had to come back for whales. Maybe they still needed whales, okay? You never know. They just did it all over again? <laughs> wow. I like it. 
no i i agree with you guys the the I, I think this is this is blooming into both sides of not taking timeline seriously and also trying to fit as much Star Trek and Star Trek as you humanly can. So that little tiny thing where he holds his neck like he's gonna get pinched or something, that is, I, I think that they just really thought that'd be a cute callback as opposed to actually thinking about what that means to the to the sequence of events in a timeline. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. In like what you're about to say here in like 10 minutes basically yeah more, more or less so okay well we've we've talked we've talked that to death but um yeah but, I, I just okay. wasn't a fan just because time zero is like one of my all-time favorite episodes of next gen moving on yeah and then so Guinan is closing down this bar and she goes out and she she's giving this social commentary to picard on like what's happening and and listen, Star Trek, like there are people online that are like flaming this episode for its its social commentary and it's it's I'm doing air quotes for the people that can't see this. It's woke liberalism, right? Right? Like those are not my words. Those are like right, the people right. on the internet. They're just flaming this episode. But like Star Trek has always been progressive and left leaning. Like yeah. And there are also people that are complaining that this episode is not subtle and it's definitely not subtle at all. Like, like this new Trek era we're in is not subtle with its social commentary, like at all. But I would argue that the original Star Trek probably wasn't all that subtle either back in the day. Like we watch it now, we're like, okay, I can, I can see the Cold War era parallels it's trying to make, but like, Look at the episode, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Like, just think about that. He's left on the right side of his face. He's left, He's white on the right side of his face. And they're totally different as if that means anything, right? That's like, right. That's not subtle. That's like hitting you over the head with a sledgehammer. But, like, this episode, it's, it's not subtle in its social commentary. And, like, Guinan is going out there. And, and Picard is like, change is happening change is possible change can come and Guinan says something like yeah well it's easy for someone who looks like you to be able to wait around for change rather than someone who looks like me and I'm thinking first of all you're an alien who can like age however you want right maybe you aren't the best messenger for that for that particular piece of commentary and then she says something later like the people that are oppressing us change their hoods for business suits. I don't know. I don't know. Something about that didn't sit right. What didn't sit right with me. Well, I don't know if either of you had any issues with that statement. I mean, I, I, I see where you're coming, but I, the only thing that I would say about the, the heavy handedness is that when you're talking about, say, in the 60s, where there were very blatant very blatant um, uh, instances of racism or you know whatever ism we want to put out there I think the the parallel to now is that there are two well there are probably multiple sides but there are sides that that don't necessarily identify the sort of racism that this is pointing out or the sort of whatever ism that this is trying to be so blatant about in the show 
So, and, and this is where, where you kind of get into the word woke and where some people have trouble is why? Why are we, why are we awakening? Why is there a wokeness? Because I don't see it. Now I know for a fact that there there are instances of racism today. There are absolutely instances. Oh, of I'm it, not denying that. No, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, sure. I, I, I don't want to paint that at all. But uh, th there are definitely people in the society today that because they don't see it, they can't acknowledge it, and then you attack the core idea because it feels like you're being beat over the head with it. And and but yes, it was it was very blatant. Um, and and it, it took several shots, including. Uh, you know, the, the racist aspect of it, the mismanage of government, um, the potential disappearing of, in quotation, illegal immigrants, and then also a shot at the business class where it's indiscriminate. Well, there's multiple sides of the business class. There's a small business class, which are barely making it by. There's just, you know, instances of businesses that can't keep afloat or barely keep afloat. The fact that 50% of all businesses or more fail within the first year of them even being in operation, or are you just trying to point out big business? Well, don't shout that too loud because look at all the big business you have on your person right now, including your phone and your clothes and you know the TV you're watching the episode on and so forth. So while it does beat you over the head with a hammer, it's an indiscriminate hammer. And that's what I think a lot of people have a problem with this sort of stuff with. And you're right, Eric, we read IMDb all the time. I don't know if Chase, you're still doing it, but me and Eric do it every single episode for every show we've done. And we see those kind of comments over and over and over again. So. Yeah, I've been, I've been looking at that IMDb as well, but like, I try not to, to live there because, you know, I think I've made this comment before, like people show up to watch things just to make sure they still hate hate the thing which yeah, i think is yeah. stupid like give give the dang show a shot like don't let don't let other like you know talking heads whether it's like on like the youtube type stuff or wherever you know tell you how to think like just form your own dang opinion for crying out loud like that's what we try and do each and every week we talk about the, these episodes at least i hope that's the case no but but and and in to to be fair here like i do think that I don't know this actress's name. I it was I can't pronounce it anyway. It's it's Ito. It's Ito something. I can't pronounce something. the last name. Yeah, I, I I think there's a moment where she taught where she talks about like we have we're on just one little planet, one speck of dust in the whole in the whole galaxy, and and we fight over the resources and we can't get along. Like I and she's like breaking down in tears, like witnessing that. I actually really uh, uh enjoyed that moment because i think that gets to like the core of the ideals of, of star trek like we need to work together and realize that that we're stronger when we're together and we are small and there's a whole other people out there and we can come together and we should be working together so i really like that and she gives a really impassioned speech there yeah the, the only thing that i i, I because I agree with you there, but the only thing that I would nitpick just slightly, not for the sake of nitpicking, but because I think it's somewhat important to the human condition, she says something to the effect of for basically for their own convenience, you know, like destroying the planet for their own convenience, over harvesting for their own convenience. I, I think that it's a bit broader than than simple 
personal greed because the person working in a coal mine isn't necessarily doing it for their own greed. They're doing it for the ripple effect down the line, their families, their community, and so forth. Do they want to do it? No. What's the alternative? And right. what we have to sort of keep into, into scope is that the only reason why we, a, a human race in the scope of Star Trek got to the point that they got to, they had a third world war. Mm -hmm. They had a massive third world war. Okay. They had, they had to make the changes because they were on the brink of self annihilation. And unfortunately the human condition does sort of dictate some of that where faced with annihilation, we might make, we might make change, but when things are downplayed, uh, why would I risk, why would I jeopardize my family's future? Why would I jeopardize my grandkids future? I'm just going to keep chugging along. So that's the only thing that I, I, I think is a little bit, a little bit off here for me and coming from like a literal alien, somebody who's not native to the planet, they might say that based upon their own experiences, but it's like, okay, so then what's the alternative? What, what would you suggest? What, how, how would you suggest that we get over the sort of that, that kind of, and it is sort of a small minded thing. And I mean, we, well, not sorry, not to drag this on too much chase, but think about sure. voting, think about voting, how you have a lot of people saying that one vote doesn't count. Well, why doesn't it count? Why doesn't one person's effort count? Why does it have to be belittled to something so small? When you belittle those big decisions to something so small, then how do you make big decisions? Sure. So that's why I think it's it's necessary for us to value the small decisions because the small decisions create a a platform where you continue to build and you build and you build to the bigger decisions and so forth. So Again, I want. I want to. I, I, I'm done. <laughs> I want. I want to offer something up, and I know this. This isn't necessarily theory crafting, but it kind of is, and we can talk about it maybe. But one thing that we know that's supposed to take place leading up to first contact, right? Like the birth of you know United Earth and you know warp drive and the future of the Federation and Starfleet, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that we know that's supposed to happen is World War III in Star Trek. And I had to look this up real quick, but this World War III in canon starts in 2026, and it lasts for roughly 27 years. Oh, uh, really? I wow. thought it happened in like 2050. Like, it, cause, because in the movie First Contact, they say it's about 10 years after the Third World War. It is. So it goes from, so yeah, 20, roughly 27 years. So it ends in 2053. Six, and yeah, like we remember uh, Riker saying, um, as they're, I think in orbit or whatever, 600 million dead type of thing. Like, so easy to assimilate, like from the Borg standpoint. So I offer this up and I know like we're the ones that like hyper analyze the things, but just, just entertain me for a second. Humor me for a second. What if it's what if like it's it's not necessarily like we're trying to prevent this one little thing from happening but what if we're trying to prevent world war three from happening like we need world war three to happen in order to have humanity coming together for warp drive for warp travel like with cochran and lily and stuff to do their thing maybe it's kind of out there but 
just something that's kind of coming to mind from a canon perspective, a yeah, timeline. I think perspective. World War Three needs to happen for it the needs Star Trek future to happen. We can't yeah. be trying to prevent World War Three. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. But like, we're already we're, we're we're playing a game of shenanigans right now with with the timeline. Anyway, <sighs> that's why you don't mess with time. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, shenanigans. I swear the next person that says shenanigans is going to get pistol whipped. Shenanigans. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's let's carry on, right? Picard finally, like, tells his name, says his name to Guinan. He's like, I, my name is Picard. And for some reason, like, hearing that name is what, when she finally decides to help. I'm not exactly sure on what it was about the name, if she's... I don't know if she's experiencing some, you know, problem with time and that name resonates with her somehow. It's not really explained, but she's like, I'm not who you're looking for. You're looking for a watcher or a supervisor, people who are like set out to protect the timeline, kind of like the TVA and Loki or whatever. Right, right. Right. right? And so I, they're not fans, but I'll, I'll take you to one. Right, and like that's the thing. Like, I never thought Guinan would be the Watcher. She's always, always, always described as a listener. A listener, never a Watcher. Um, so yeah, we end up going out to this random LA park, uh, sitting on a bench, and um, I, li- I like this quote uh, where um, this little girl shows up as like um, like a possessed Watcher double thing and says that you have 10 seconds to get out of here before I lose my very tenuous grip of my need to put my boot through your face I love that yeah but like okay so these people are being like possessed by the watcher to lead Picard but like and and the 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 possessed person keeps changing it's like we're doing this to make sure you're not followed but like they're only moving like 10 feet each right it's like this is like the worst like let's make sure you're not followed and let's switch people and switch directions like ever i mean i could still see the park bench in the tunnel from like where they were (laughs) i'm not trying to be funny like i could seriously see the park bench in that tunnel (laughs) it's like this is the worst let's use subterfuge to switch people and switch directions to make sure we're not being followed like ever Right, 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 right. And then, oh, look, there's the person right there standing at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. And it's a human-looking Laris. It's Orla Brady with an American accent instead of an Irish one. So God bless her for that one. She looks like a human, and Picard says Laris. And she says, I don't even know. Does she even say anything? Well, he, he says, are you a friend of Guinan's? And she's like, absolutely not. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. And then they, like, disappear. She, like, touches them on the shoulder, and they disappear in, like, a blue mist. This was this seemed like it was, like, a deep cut with, like... Oh, oh I think a lot... The internet is also in, a, in like, a tizzy about this being a deep cut. Like, because Guinan called them supervisors, and yep. they, like, disappear in a yep. cloud of, like, blue smoke. Yeah. Very similar to Gary Seven, mm-hmm. who was a supervisor in the assignment Earth. 
episode and you know chase and i we read that book long time ago now right about the eugenics wars where gary seven was like the main character which is not canon but but yeah like the using the supervisor and using the deep the deep the blue mist a lot of people are like is this some kind of a callback is the watcher going to be one of these supervisors is it somehow going to be related to that episode and that's it for the Picard story for this one. Um, one one Easter egg that we had from the Picard story, among many, of course, was um, the Guinan's license plate said SO2EO1. Season two, episode one was her first appearance on Next Gen. So there okay, you go. I didn't, I didn't catch that. that. Yeah, there oh, you go. Oh, boy. Enjoy that one. <laughs> okay. You know, one thing that um, that we heard Gerardi say as we were moseying up on out the La Serena was, you know, we got to watch out for butterflies, right? You, you can't step on the butterflies, man. Oh, my gosh. There were so many freaking butterflies in this dang episode. Literally. So you... Really, the really the what the main opening shot essentially is Rafi and Seven showing up at the clinic, which is Las Mariposas Clinic, right? Which is Spanish for butterflies. You had the the possessed girl in the park wearing a butterfly design dress. Butterflies all over the freaking place. And I, I was looking all I, like in my second viewing of of the episode, I was looking in Chateau Picard trying to find butterflies somewhere in there just to see if like there were butterflies in all the different story points for crying out loud. I don't cool, know if y'all noticed it? that at all. It's pretty cool when you're super clever. I just, this whole butterfly effect, like, like that one butterfly can, can change everything. I just, I've never like been a fan of that idea. That, that Ashton Kutcher movie, like gave me nightmares for a while, by the way. So yeah, we we go in. We're trying to gather get, gather this information, and we go hunting, and we end up um, at the L.A. Uh, like precinct, like PD precinct or whatever. Rafi is given some attitude, like, "What do you mean? Like, aren't you like you know local police? Shouldn't you know this crap?" And I don't know. They're just buying out in the system, dude. Like, chill, chill the heck out. And like this random dude's like, "You're in the you're in the wrong place, man. You need to be looking for ice." No, but cool. like, th- like, th- like twice in this episode, when we show up at the clinic, you better find your friend before you never find him again. And then at the at the police department, you better find him before ice. You never find see him again. Like, ice cannot make people just literally disappear. Like they're going to like a like a like Guantanamo Bay or something. Like or any type of secret prison. Like ice cannot do that. Like. That's just not the way it works. And like this this storyline of Ice as just this big boogeyman bad guy, like they're doing it here. Orange is the New Black, I said this last week, did this in its final season as well, which was like total fiction. Like nothing about that rings true. And like, it just upsets me that we're like, the police are portrayed as such bad guys. Like this again is this like Hollywood fascination with police as being the bad guys like 
they're not. They're not. And ice cannot just make people disappear. And like the, when they're in this holding cell, I know I'm I'm jumping from the the seven storyline okay. to the the Rios. Like Rios just like just leave him alone, dude. And the ice guy is just like tases him just nonchalantly look i'm gonna be i'm such a bad guy that i can just tase you and and think nothing of it and i can get he almost smiles when he's tasing him like like the boogeyman police officer federal agent i just i hate that storyline that idea sure i mean look you can't discount that they're always going to be some bad nuts in every trail mix you know what i mean there there's there's always going to be a story there's always going to be an issue there's always going to be i i know for a fact a few of my own uh so i i i know but like it's it's it, it's going back to the early converse earlier conversation about being social commentary in the extreme i i get it but at the same token it's it's really really hard to justify painting these these folks with with this with this brush when we're still here today this is our time and if you constantly expose fear of those around you eventually it leads to bad things and it doesn't matter if it's in a fiction or not and this is like the whole the whole thing with um with uh, uh i'm forgetting the word but like lying about people uh defamation, defamation yeah. whereas you can Sla- slander yeah you, you you can you can produce all the slander you want if they if it's a public figure and you can't sue them because they're a public figure and so forth if if you constantly lead with fear all you will get is fear plain and simple and I, I, I agree with Eric. I'm not a big fan of the portrayal. I'm not. I'm also not a big fan of the overly rosy superhero portrayal either. Because at the end of the day, these folks are people. They're people being put in terrible jobs, uh, high stress, and not enough support. Same with the medical field. Same thing. High stress, not enough support. To paint everyone with such a bad bra- and, and the and the, the, you you talked about like Patrick Stewart doing the hands on head thing, the emphasis of the word ice in this episode too is also very deliberate to drive the point home. So yeah, yeah just, just enhance social commentary. I'll just say this, and I might get hate tweeted. It's whatever, but I just I just have issues with this being in California of all places, like. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like California is a place where they're specifically not going after it. Right. They're literally creating like sanctuaries, not Star Trek sanctuaries. Right. But like they're like havens, they're life, sanctuaries. They're like haven sanctuary cities where they're saying, yeah. we're not going to arrest illegals. We're not going to deport them. Like there were, there were congressmen. I think Maxine Waters said it. Like if you know somebody that, that you think is illegal and you see ice or the police come and like warn them ahead of time so they can go hide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like certainly like the major cities, like currently in 2022 for crying out loud, like you're looking at like certainly San Francisco, um, I'm pretty sure LA too. Um, New York 
and I think Dallas and Austin, like here in Texas, like those are going to be like some of like your your haven cities for the most part, where that kind of where you can get away with that kind of stuff. So anyway, let's let's keep on trucking. So we 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 got to track we got to track them down, and this is like we're kind of like the storylines are are kind of like um, crossing paths, right? Like just going back and forth with each other. Um, we somehow have like we have like an iPad where like we have like a GPS locator where the bus is, which I guess kind of makes sense for like a like a corrections, like a justice department kind of thing or, a, you know, yeah, GPS. on. Yeah, yeah it, it makes sense, I guess. Um, and we got to, you know, like we had to bust out a window instead of just using the freaking, you know, Samsung flip to Wait, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Fa- why do you have a phaser? I have no idea how they got there. I kind of like that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. That was funny. Um, and then the, yeah, then seven automatically knows how to like drive a car like you know, without and drivers. I, and I heard a lot of online. I was reading like, like to explain this, just put a line in there. Tom Paris taught me how to drive on the holodeck or something. Right. People were like, look, that's an easy, like put that line in there and it, it makes sense. And it'll be a good fun Easter egg. Like we just had an episode called we'll always have Tom Paris with him right let's let's bring back more tom bears callback there we go i like that and so uh, yeah police chase ends up happening rios um has been like detained um had like a nice heart to heart with the doctor after being tased like i'm just a good samaritan kind of passing through the you know no mustache but mustache twirling ice officer takes them and you know puts them on a bus and saying we're never gonna see you again (laughs) type of thing and it's a race against time to get him before he disappears forever Mm, yeah because if we don't stop him now we'll never find him right and um meanwhile we have to you know enlist the help of gerardi to get transporters you know working or whatever which means we gotta really be nice and and you know butter up to the um the board queen to give access to certain systems, uh, which she ends up making a deal with the devil, basically. Yeah, uh, a conversation. Because the Borg Queen is alone because there's no voices in her head. AKA more assimilation. Right. Mm-hmm. But like like I really enjoyed um the portrayal of the Borg Queen in like episode two. I'm I, I don't know if it's just writing, but like they're almost portraying the Borg Queen now as like mustache twirly. And it, it's, I don't, I just, the characterization has changed so much in two episodes. And I think, I still think Annie Wershing is doing a good job with the material she's Oh, getting, she's killing but, it. But I just, I just don't like this portrayal of the Borg Queen here in this episode. I, I think the Borg Queen is horrible. I, I don't think that there's any, any good job here. No offense. I think that it feels woefully out of place. I feel like there's some like crossover between what was the Borg Queen that we saw and Jurati. Like she's acting like a more sinister Jurati. Have y'all ever seen the movie Source Code by chance? No. With uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and I can't remember the other person's name. No. Okay, I'm not gonna spoil it, but we can have that conversation later. But I'm, I have potential thoughts that what happened in Source Code could be something that happens with Jurati and the Borg Queen. And that's all I'm going to say about that. For anyone that's seen Source Code, there you go. That's what we call a tease, stealing Eric's line. Okay. 
so chase is happening the chase is happening we're we're driving through which by the way highly unrealistic highly unrealistic for la that anyone has ever ever driven in southern california there ain't no way that police chase happened ain't no way well we had the oj chase oh my gosh man that like that was just like that was a crazy crazy chase like there there ain't no way like i, I looked at my wife when we were watching it together i'm like nope 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 <laughs> Um, having driven down the one and on the five and between Burbank and LA and everywhere in between. Nope. Nope. Even for an out of town or nope, not going to happen. Okay. So we, we finally get things working after we've, you know, played nice and made a deal with the board queen. Um, please beam us away. Oh, by the way, hit the brake Cause we can't, you know, quite do moving, moving objects yet, which is kind of awkward. Okay. And, um, we beam to this random hill. And the bus isn't quite there yet, but it's like super like dramatic. Like it's about to show up at any second. Like I felt like there was gonna be a, like a sniper show up randomly. Like we're about to like snipe something. Like we're on a hill, like middle of nowhere. Something. This is like straight out of 24 for crying out loud. I swear, just without the beaming. Yeah, I know we gotta stop somebody on the bus, right? Right. This is Jack Bauer. I need to commandeer this bus. Federal agent. Doo doo. Do do, do do, do do. Okay. <laughs> what what am I missing, guys? I feel like I'm all over the place. I, I think that's it. We, Are now, we there? Now we have the, the little coda at the end, right? Yep. Where I think there's a lot lot going on in this little tiny coda. We we show up. We're outside of the Jackson Roykirk mm-hmm. like Institute, which is the name of the creator of the. The, the, the changeling. Oh, sorry, not not, not I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. The chain. The, the episode. The changeling. The nomad. Uh, nomad. Nomad. Yeah. That yeah. Kirk like logics the the machine to death. Right. That's like the first time he does that. Jackson Roy Kirk is the creator of that nomad device. Okay. Yeah. Then if you look, Q. It's Q is narrating this like, and he's he's got this newspaper open, and there's a name. It says like. Brenner uh, opposes unionization and that's the name of the person that Jadzia was working with in the episode past tense right the person who like she had the, right. the fortune of meeting who then helped them hack into the the sanctuary computers so they could all tell their stories right so there's that little thing there and then if you look at the date on this newspaper this is interesting like I didn't see this I when I was watching it but Good, good, good. There are good people out there that take screenshots of all of this stuff and post it. The date is given as January of 2024. Interesting. The date on that newspaper is from January of 2024. And we know we're in April of 2024 right now. Huh. Hmm. Ain't that something? So that's like, what's, what's that all about? Right. Well, and then the the young woman that you know is is reading a book she's reading a, a dixon hill novel mm-hmm. by the way which i did also appreciate that little comment that Girati made um look at you little dixon hill yeah and and the the novel is written by tracy torme who wrote that ep- the episode the big goodbye there we go 
Look at that. Right. And Q's he's like he's talking about I don't forget what Q's saying. He's like, You can't do it. Like you no matter what, you can't do it. You can't do it. And then he like snaps his fingers and nothing happens. Like, well that was unexpected. You know one thing I'm thinking, and this is theory crafting. I'm wondering I'm thinking that perhaps there are two Q's. Like we have Q from like our timeline and then we have like confederation Q, so to speak. So like a Lorca thing? Like what what are you doing? What are you doing, Chase? Stop opening these stupid doors. You're welcome. Here's the door. Here's your sign. No, but I think this goes back to like episode two where Picard said, Q, you're not well. Yeah. Like like something he's sensing something off and Q snaps his fingers and nothing happens. Like is he is Q dying or something? Like is he somehow he loses powers? Like what is happening here? possible it's certainly possible mm-hmm. and and this is not something that is given in the episode but this young woman this young blonde woman who then starts laughing like as she's reading this novel this character has a name in the credits right this not like cafe patron or something like that this character has a name if you if you read the credits of this episode would you like to know what this character's name is I don't know if any of you looked at this. Would it happen to be Renee Picard? Renee Picard is this woman's name. So uh, what does that mean? It's, it's uh it's it's you know Picard's great cousin who was one of the like, early explorers, right? Of of Earth's solar system. I mean, that has to mean something, right? Well, I mean, we, we did hear, like, about Watchers, you know, being, like, the guardian angels and, like, protecting destinies and stuff. So, you know, maybe Laris or whatever, human Laris is, the is you know, Renee's guardian angel or whatever at this point in time. I don't know. We'll find out. I guess we'll find out next time on Star Trek Picard. So with that, let's, let's go into rate, rating this dang thing. David, why don't you kick us off? No biggie. It's fine. I have to. <laughs> uh, um, so thank you both for pointing out all of these little tiny things that I didn't necessarily see. I have never enjoyed going that deep into anything. Eric's reading credits. He's 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 looking at the credits. I don't uh, uh, yeah, my face dropped so much when he said that and like now I I just I don't I don't want to. Guys, I just I don't want to anymore. I was so pumped for this. Like first episode was like, "Oh, this is going to be cool." All right. Um I, I, I just, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start, really. Um, Do you want me to go and then you can collect your No, I can, I can fumble my way through it for the next 10 to 15 minutes, Eric. I'll be okay. Well. I'm, a, I'm a big boy. I've got my big boy, big boy shorts on. I'm not wearing pants. They're just shorts. Um, not wearing pants at all, actually. Well, I'm not going to point the camera down. Uh, any, anyway, so... Look, <laughs> I, I I definitely think at its at its 
surface level, it, there wasn't much happening, really. Um, you're just sort of in cleanup mode from kind of flying in blind. There wasn't much of a plan. I think that the heavy handedness is going to turn some people off with some of the social messages. I can kind of, I'm not trying to be hypercritical of it, even though I think that they're very conflated. Um, I don't mind young Guinan. I think that that was, that was fine. The sequence of events is fine. Although the biggest problem is just over talking the stupid time stuff. That's where I start to lose so much interest. And, and you guys talk a lot about like first and second and third watches and so forth. So I did watch this when, when it came out first day and then I watched it again today and I, and it didn't hold my interest at all today. I, I, I didn't really watch, watch sure. it today at all. It was just kind of in the background as I was editing my other projects and so forth. So, um, but, but, but the, 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 it's, it's, it's all about this stupid continuity. And I feel like we're going to get kind of a lame answer. It's the same lame answer that we got with the burn. It, 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 it's, it, it's just, I, I just, I just want some writers to write some original or at least not science fiction that I keep hearing. I, I don't need to keep having these stupid deep cuts. Like I don't want to have to look at the at the uh, what's what's the after show that you guys keep telling me I should watch, but I totally never will. The Ready Room. I don't want to have to watch the Ready Room. I don't want to have to like look at articles and so forth in order to deep dive into all their Easter eggs and stuff. I kind of just want to watch a good show. Now, that being said, I do think that the acting's better than Discovery. I think that the look is great. So I'm, I'm not like stylistically taken out of the show, but it just, it's just moving at such a snail's pace for me that I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping, keeping focused on, on sequence of events and so forth. I don't like angry Rafi. I don't, I mean, I understand why she's angry. I just don't like overly angry Rafi. Um, the, the 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 overindulgence in the ice stuff i'm not really caring for that but i just kind of want a picard show to be about picard i just want to follow picard that's all i want to do i would just want to in a nice little safe space with picard and and just go there i don't really like the portrayal of the board queen anymore i just don't I, I i it seems unnatural there was a line in there talking about like poetry and just the way it was delivered it's like that would be cool for anything else except the board queen but everything's just different. So I, I, I'm not going to flame it like everybody on the internet because at least the first time I was somewhat lucid while I was watching it, it was, it was, it was there. I was it, sort of in it. Um, I gave last week's a seven. I'm probably just going to hang out right at like a seven. I'm just going to say seven. Okay. Eric, what do you got, man? Well, I, I called last week's episode a filler episode. But I said, that's not the worst thing you can call an episode is filler. Like, you know, not every episode can be action-packed where important things are happening all the time. Sometimes you have to slow down and do your exposition, right? You just have to. And so I didn't mind last week's episode, which was filler. The problem that I have is now you have basically two filler episodes back to back where 
really not a lot has changed like from the end of last episode to the end of this episode right you know at the end of last episode rios is in police custody at the end of this episode rios is in police custody at the end of last episode seven and rafi are looking for rios at the end of this episode seven and rafi are looking for rios so those characters are in the exact same position that they are at the end of this episode where they are at the end of the last episode and it's like why did we spend a full episode and we didn't sure. advance their storyline really at all and so my problem is two filler episodes back to back where you you could have figured out a way to write these two episodes into one episode and that's where like i have a problem with the writing because a better writer would have been able to tie these two episodes together um so i have an issue with that i also have an issue like seven and rafi's relationship makes no sense to me and it probably makes no sense to a lot of people because i said this last week as well their relationship that we've seen on screen does not from last season does not make sense for their relationship now if you have not listened to the audio drama which i have not which I'm sure most of the people watching this have not, their relationship doesn't really make sense. Like, sure. I like some of their interplay here, but, like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me because I, I haven't seen all that extra. And so, like David said, I shouldn't have to be looking for all this other content to have the show make sense. Like, the show needs to make sense in its own right. And I feel like, in a certain extent, maybe it's not. Um. Yeah, I I I wasn't a fan of this episode. It it really flew by, and I'm also not really a fan of like ending every episode on like a cliffhanger, essentially, which is what what we've really done in a sense. Like I think to a certain extent that gets boring for me. Like let's wrap up the episode and then let's start next week, you know, doing something else. Like every single episode here has to like end on some cliffhanger moment which i i don't i that, that gets old for me i don't know if that gets old for either of you but that gets old for me um yeah i don't know i think a seven sounds about right i mean maybe like a 6.8 to a seven somewhere in that range i don't think i want to go much higher than a seven. I don't think this is as good as last week, which I gave a seven point three, which Chase just told me, reminded me. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's it's not terrible. It's certainly better than a lot of what we got in Discovery. But I don't know, six point eight to seven sounds right. So what do you want, man? Six point eight. Six point eight. Okay. Okay. I was I was kind of like thinking to myself but like but 24 they did the hook every single week but that's a different type of show that's like that show's gimmick yeah we got we got to have a hook going into the next hour for crying out loud so right, that's the gimmick of the show yeah all right well this this um this episode i didn't i didn't completely mind but I don't know. Like I just, we didn't really go very far. Like, like I said in in the in last week's episode in the, in our recap, 
like you you gotta have development that's taken place right like you like in terms of like eric said like you can't have like shoot 'em ups happening all the live long day in every single episode you know like you have to have like the slow moments to really help the overall story like come together and, and breathe and stuff like that but um i mean I, I like the points that like both the guys are, are bringing bringing out uh, with with um you know watcher like we we had all that to have just this one little bit about the watcher like that that was it like the watcher was like what five minutes of the episode basically like from the park bench to the foggy square right in the tunnel was like roughly five minutes so if it was that long if that yeah you're right if if it was even five minutes um I'm I'm not I'm not gonna give it like a I don't even know what 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 do we say this was rating on IMDB like a five something six something six six point five yeah like I'm not even gonna go go that low for crying out loud um last week I gave this thing a seven eight did I enjoy it sure did I have some issues with it yeah did it mess with one of my beloved episodes you're darn right it did um I came in this in the same ballpark as Eric. Actually, I was I was in in between a six, eight, and a seven. Truth be told, and um, last week I gave um, I gave assimilation a seven, eight. So, I think just to be um, contrary to, to both the guys, I'm just going to give it a six point nine because why not? So um, that gives us an average rating of a six nine for this week's episode from us three. So. Yay, 6.9. So, before we get out of here, this is Eric's favorite part, the most important part of the episode. Let's go to the Twitter poll. So, I polled the people of the Twitter, and I asked them this very important question. Which 90s boy band frontman would make the best Star Trek captain? And the choices were Brian Luttrell from Backstreet Boys, Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees, Justin Timberlake from NSYNC, or Wanye Morris from Boys to Men. Okay, so which 90s boy band frontman would make the best what? Captain. Star Trek Captain. Star Trek Captain. So I got I got Brian Luttrell. Yep. Is he really the frontman? Is a, isn't AJ the frontman? Uh, AJ McLean? Multiple Google searches have... Brian Luttrell is the front man. Well, I, Brian is the lead singer, but is he the front man? Right? Like, I've seen I've seen some of their concerts videos. Now, I haven't been to one yet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And, like, sure. AJ is the one who's, like, interacting with the crowd, like, okay. talking to the crowd like you would think a front man would. Brian is, is the Or is that the hype man? Or would that be the hype man, like my dude? No, like like Flava Flav, the, yeah. the hype man. Yeah. Um, no, Brian's definitely the lead singer. Um, so we got Brian Luttrell, Nick Lachey, um, JT, Justin. Yep, JT, JT, and some guy from Boys to Men. Wanye Morris from Boys to Men. I mean, who would make the best starship captain? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like people are going to say JT because he's the biggest star and the most recognizable name out of that group. Um, 
But man, Brian, Brian has a special place in my heart because I love the Backstreet Boys. Just don't go breaking my heart. Don't go breaking my heart. Hey, that was from like 2018 or 19. It's a new yeah, one. Yeah, man. I'm going to go with Brian. Go with Brian. All right. David, did you vote in this one or Dude, do you want to vote in this one? I have zero idea how to answer this question. Like, That's I great. can't, I, I literally, I remember looking at it and I said, this is the first time I do not know how to answer this question. And I don't. I don't have an answer for you. No idea. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. So let's let's go to the results. So in in fourth place with zero percent of the vote, Nick Lachey from ninety eight degrees. All right, here we go. In third place with twenty five percent of the vote, Wanye Morris from Boys to Men. All right, so it's coming down to Backstreet. And NSYNC. All right. The runner-up in second place with a third of the vote. Brian Luttrell, Backstreet Boys. Which means our winner is Justin Timberlake. NSYNC beat Backstreet. What's up with that, man? Well, yeah, he's the, he's the bigger name, the bigger star. I mean, it's tearing up my heart having to report this to you, you know? Yeah, I was I was thinking about this. Like, I mean, I I see Brian as like more of like the Kirk, like out of this group. Well, AJ was the bad boy, right? The one yeah. in and out of you know. Yeah, yeah, in and out of rehab. Yeah. Yeah. You guys know not like way too much about this. <laughs> David, you are the same age as us. You lived through the boy band wars of the late '90s. Yes, and while you were clearly, uh, you know, getting your dance steps together, I was just too busy True. with rock and roll. There you go. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Well, that's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this. Oh, Lord have mercy. Let's let's get out of here, man. This, this has been a minute. Let's get out of here. So, uh, guys, thank you as always for, for the conversation. This, like, this was a fantastic conversation. Like, you know, not that our, our others aren't, but like, we had a lot to say and I felt like we kind of did it like a little bit shorter than normal, which is kind of weird. Um, anyway, guys, thank you so much for that. Everyone out there in listening, what did you think of this episode? Um, would you rate it like a, you know, a six between like a six, eight and a seven? Is it higher? Is it lower for you? Do you agree with IMDb? Did you flame it? You're praising it. We would love to hear, uh, let us know, um, open up hailing frequencies and, and send us stuff to, um, trtvpod at gmail.com or a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there is a three-minute limit before some weirdo gets some white eyes and drags me into a, you know, a square wall of fog, which I'm not looking forward to, so please be quick with your voicemail. Uh, finally, if you want to mail us something, you know, like a butterfly cookie or something, that'd be cool. Uh, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in and as always remember to boldly go and make it so.